next week. And, uh, man, he's been a blessing to us. Looking forward to what God has for us tonight. So get your Bibles out and get ready. And uh, let's uh, give our attention to the Lord tonight. Thank you once again for being here. Amen. Thank you, preacher. If you're in love with Jesus, say amen. Amen. If you're glad to be in church, say amen. Amen. What a wonderful service tonight. The gentleman that Brother Robbie was speaking about, Brother Melvin Miniter, the first time I ever saw him, I was barely 19 years old. I had moved to Victory to go to college, and I had some, at that time, big decisions and needs in front of me, and I literally walked into that meeting. It was an old-fashioned tent meeting, and I walked into that tent, Literally wondering if God could. Anybody ever wondered if God could? I wondered if God could meet those needs in my life. We got in that service that night and Brother Melvin got happy and full of the Holy Ghost. And he wasn't on a walker at that time. He was still on his cane. And he took him a lap, running a lap with that cane right there in tow. Out to the front, started swinging that cane, about put three people in the emergency room. And it was, it was like, here I was at 19, looking forward, saying, can God? And here he was in his 80s at that time. And it was like he was looking back at me, shouting, God can. There is, there is value in your worship. Beyond what it does for you. And even beyond what it does for God. There's value in your worship to those that are around you. When you worship, others are helped. I promise you that. Amen. I want to say something before I get in the message tonight. Uh, We are transitioning all of our uh, resources and our sermons that we take on the road And uh, we are uh, getting rid of all of our CDs, our sermons that are on CDs. And everything is going to USB that we make available. And uh, I've got two messages, two series. There's three in here and there's three in here. This is a series on the afterlife. There's a message on death. There is a message on hell. And there is a message on heaven. There are three in this series. This is a message, a series on transition. When you find yourself between where you have been and where God is taking you, but you're not quite in either one of them yet. Anybody ever been there? Anybody live there? Okay. Well, uh, I want to do something. I've never done this before, but I've got uh, a few of these, I think, and quite a few of these. Uh, This church has been so good to me. Over the last 12 years, you have always just taken wonderful care of me and treated me like family. If you would like these, I'm going to let you have those tonight uh, free of charge. There's no charge for these. Just come by, shake my hand, and uh, speak to me, and you can get uh, both sets. And uh, Now, don't, don't go out and put on you know, a hat and come back and get two more. There's people here. There's people here that will, they'll be at the flea market, five dollars a piece on Saturday. Don't do that. Don't do that. So, but if if you want them, uh, come by and they'll be free. And I want you to have that. We had a, a fella. Amen. We had a fella singing our church. Uh, 
one time and they, they had their, their table out there with all their CDs and some of my fine upstanding members were standing there looking at their CDs and uh, one of them said, I want this one. The other one said, well, I want that one. And right there in front of them, they said, well, I'll buy this one, you buy that one and I'll burn you a copy of this one. <laughs> don't do that. I mean, do that, but don't say that you're going to do that. You understand what I'm saying? Don't, don't say it, just do it, okay? Really, thank you for letting me be a part. It has been a joy to watch what God has done in this place in the time that I've been coming here. From the first revival over here in the other auditorium where tall people could not freely worship. Can I get an amen? Anybody remember that? People with claustrophobia issues could not worship. That low ceiling. But to see what God has done bringing you this far and the people that have been saved here. And I hope you understand that we are not... uh, Your pastor, I'm sure, is of this mindset. We are not in the church building business. We are in the gospel business. And we want people to come and stay. We love that. We have a greater responsibility than filling pews and that or chairs. That responsibility is filling hearts with the gospel. And what is represented here tonight is amazing. But what's more amazing than what's here are those that will be over there because of what's happened here. Can you just give the Lord a big praise for a church that loves people and preaches the gospel? And I praise the Lord for that. I'll ask you to get your Bible out now if you will. And I want you to go to 2 Kings and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you remain seated if you'd like to, if you, that's okay with you. Some of you look like you've got one more get up in you. You're going to need that to leave, okay? <laughs> Second Kings chapter number 2. And I want to read a portion of verse 10 and all of verse 9. 2 Kings chapter 2. Verse number 9, if you're there in your Bible, say amen. Amen. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, now watch, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Father, open up our eyes tonight. May we see, may we hear, not with eyes or ears of flesh, but spiritually may we see. And supernaturally may we hear. And God, may it land on good soil. And bring about fruit in our lives. I'll thank you for what you do. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And God's people said, Amen. He says to Elisha, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Now I'm going to need a good Wednesday night amen right here. This was not a hard thing for God. Amen. Because there's nothing too hard for God. He said, what you've asked, it's not going to be difficult for God. It's going to be difficult for you. 
And when we pray hard prayers, understand that the weight of those prayers, the heaviness of those prayers, the hardness of those prayers, it is not on God, that is on us. And he says, you've asked a hard thing. But ask it, he did. He said, I want a double portion, not of God's Spirit, but I want a double portion of what God has given you. In other words, everything that God has done for you, I want twice as much. God took Elijah off of the scene and that mantle came back to Elisha and God begins to work in the life of Elisha. How many of you know when you pray, God answers prayer? I'm just going to say this. I, I believe that many of us talk about praying. We think about praying. We intend to pray. We ask others to pray. But I would say that most of us fail to properly pray about the real issues in our life. And he has prayed and God begins to answer that prayer. In the life of Elijah, God worked 16 miracles from being fed by ravens to calling fire down from heaven to resurrecting the son of a widow, God worked 16 miracles in the life of Elijah. When Elijah leaves and Elisha picks up where he left off, God begins to answer that request. And we come to the end of Elisha's life. And at the end of Elisha's life, God had given him not 32, but 31 miracles. As a matter of fact, if you were to look at the last miracle of Elisha's life, it is interesting to see the last miracle that God worked on his behalf. I want you to get your Bible and just go a page or two over to 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13. And I want you to look at verse number 18. Give you just a second to get there. Should just be a page or two over. And Elisha says, Take the arrows, and Joash took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And Joash smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth. Elisha was wroth with him and said... Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times, then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. I want you to look this way. The very last miracle of Elisha's life is a miracle that was covered it was shrouded, it was veiled in frustration. How many of you know that it is possible for God to work and we still be frustrated? Amen. Oh, I need some more help than that. It is possible to watch God answer prayer and still be frustrated. It is possible for God to do the impossible on our behalf and we still find frustration in God's answer to our prayer. 
I want you to notice the word wrath that is mentioned. And I believe it's in verse number 19. And the man of God was wroth. He was angry. He was aggravated. He was frustrated. Now why was he frustrated? He said, Joash, you hit the ground just once. He said, but if you with intensity and with fury and with faith would have beat the ground with those arrows, God would not just have given you deliverance, God would have given you complete and total victory. And Elisha is frustrated because he knew, oh, I'm about to say something, that God was capable of so much more than Joash was believing him for. How many of you know that God is able to do anything? God is able to go above and beyond exceedingly abundantly. He can surpass our expectations. And Elisha is frustrated because Joash is receiving a miracle, but it could have been so much more. I want to challenge somebody's faith tonight. And I want to tell you, thank God for what He's done for you. But God is not done. You may be done, but God is not done. Thank God for where He's brought you. But don't sit down too long. Keep on going. There's more down the trail that God has for your life. Oh, I sense some complacency in here tonight. Some of you, God has brought you out of nothing and He's gave you something and you're so glad to have something in the place of nothing that you don't realize that our Savior has access to everything if we'll believe Him. And I thank God for where He's brought you. I thank God for what He's done for you. But don't frustrate the miracle working power of God by settling for less than what God longs to give you in your life. The church that I pastor, we bought that property and we were building our auditorium. My son was just about five at the time, five or six. We had finished that building and we were walking in and I was unlocking the front door and Dalton was with me. And I looked down at him and just in a moment of just candid father-son conversation, I I said, son, I said, uh, are you going to pastor this church one day? He was five, maybe six. He looked up at me and said, nope, I'm going to pastor one a whole lot bigger than this. (laughs) I was a little offended, but greatly inspired. I'm afraid that too many times we see God do a little. And we're thankful for the little. But I want to tell you, the God that brought something out of nothing, He also has access to everything. And Elisha is frustrated. He is frustrated because he knows that God could and would do more if it was only believed for, if it was only sought after. If it was only prayed for. And I want to stop right now and make sure we're all on the same page. How many of you would identify with the preacher and say, Brother Jonathan, I, like you, have often sold God short on what He could do. Let me see your hand all around the building. I've settled here. And God wanted to do so much more. 
we find that Elisha works this miracle. In verse number 20 of chapter 13, the first three words, and Elisha died. And Elisha died. He goes to the grave with 31 miracles on his resume. He goes to the grave believing God for 32, but he goes to the grave receiving only 31. The record is sealed. The book is written. The page is turned. And the chapter is through. And it looks like God did not fulfill His promise to Elisha. But I want to say something to you. Just because we're done. Oh, hallelujah. Just because we're through. Just because we're no longer in the process. Does not mean that God is done. And it does not mean that God is through. He is able to do when we cannot. And when we give up, God can still go on. Sometimes God doesn't do things when we think He should. Sometimes He doesn't do things how we think He should. Sometimes He does not do them where we think He should. But somebody help me preach. He's God And He makes no mistakes. How many of you have ever appointed yourself to His advisory board? We try to tell God where to do it and tell God how to do it and tell God when to do it and tell God what to do. But He's God. And He does all things well. That's why He said to Isaiah, My thoughts are not your thoughts and neither are your ways my ways. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts, they are higher than your thoughts. In Mark chapter 7 and verse 37, the multitude said of Jesus, after watching Him work, they cried out, He hath done all things well. I feel like shouting for just a minute and saying He hadn't always done it my way, but He's always done it well. He didn't always do it like I said, but He's always done it well. I give Him glory. I give Him praise. He's good at being God. He's good at being God. There are times in our life, and this is the heart of the message, there are times in our life when we ask God for something and God says, not now. And we confuse not now for no. And God has not said no. He has simply said not right now. My son is now 20. And I remember when he was little, he would ask me for something or I would just volunteer to do something or get him something. And I, I would say something like this, hey, someday, one day this week, we ought to go to Sonic and get those half-off milkshakes in the middle of the day. 
Do you know what his seven-year-old brain would hear? Hear ye, hear ye. Let it be known throughout country and kingdom that on this day my father has promised at risk of life and limb that immediately we shall go to Sonic and consume a milkshake. And honey, the world stops turning until said promise is fulfilled. And I'd say, not right now. You lied to me. <laughs> we never do anything. <laughs> and I didn't say no. I just said not now. Now as easy as we can laugh at our kids... How many times have we folded our little Baptist arms and stomped our feet and said, God, why are you saying no? And God's not saying no. God's saying not right now. Now, he goes to the grave with 31 miracles and God had promised him 32. And it looks like God has not kept his word. But how many of you know that God has a way of putting us on hold? He has a way of putting delay in our life. And delay, oh hallelujah, delayed does not mean denied. I'm going to say that again. Delayed does not mean denied. Not now does not mean no. We see in the New Testament that Jairus had come to Jesus. And he said, I want you to heal my daughter. She's at home sick and I need you to come and raise her from her sickness. And while they were going to Jairus' house, a woman steps in and touches the hem of Christ's garment. And Jesus puts Jairus on hold and he heals the woman with an issue of blood. And in the meantime, Jairus' servants came and said, don't bother him now. Y'all waited so long. You took your sweet time and she's gone from sick to dead. We went from hope uh, to hopeless and there's no use in bothering him now. And Jairus thought that Christ had said no. But Jesus said, Jairus, I don't have to go to your house. I can speak the word. All I have to do is say it from here. And my power's big enough to get her up over there. Jesus goes to his home. He takes her by the hand. And he said two words, made arise. And that little girl that had gone from sick to dead came back to life. And God had not said no to Jairus. He had just said, not right now. Mary and Martha sent for Jesus because Lazarus was sick. And they said, hey, your friend, your friend is not well and you need to come. I'm working on a series of messages on what it means to be the friend of God. It's not everything you think it is. Your friend is not well. And yet Jesus tarried until he died. And they thought that Christ had said no. But when he came... 
to the place where Lazarus lay. He called out his name. Lazarus rose from the grave alive and well and they learned that day that God often says not now but we hear it as no. I want you to notice that in verse 18 and 19 of chapter 13 Elisha is frustrated. At the beginning of verse 20 Elisha is finished. Now when Elisha dies, look at me right here, when Elisha dies, his faith dies with him. Elisha is dead. Elisha can't call fire down from heaven. Elisha can't lay hands on anybody. Elisha can't believe God for anything now that will affect this world. He is dead. He was frustrated. He was finished. And when he died, his faith died with him. And he was faithless. But if you're looking for somewhere to shout, here it is. Even when we are frustrated and finished and faithless, God is faithful. (laughs) God promised a double portion. And the weight of that promise being fulfilled did not ride on the ministry of Elisha. It rode on the miracle working power of God Himself. Can I say it to you like this? Hallelujah. God did not need Elisha to answer Elisha's prayer. God did not need His help in fulfilling this promise. It had nothing to do with the faith of Elisha. But it rode on the faithfulness of God. That's why Paul would say in 1 Thessalonians 5, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. The faith that works miracles, it goes from our heart to God's ear. But the faithfulness to perform the work is not our faithfulness. It is God's faithfulness. Elisha is dead. He has no current faith. But God is faithful. The Bible tells us in our text that, verse number 20, they buried Elisha, and the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. And it came to pass as they were burying a man, that behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha and when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha he revived and stood up on his feet they had been invaded by the Moabites the Moabite there was a man that died and they went down they were going to dig him a grave they were going to have him a proper funeral They were going to give him a a, a good, honorable, sending away ceremony. They were going to have closure. And then they saw a band of the enemy approaching. And their faithful friendship failed immediately. They said, God bless you. Threw him in an empty grave, an already dug grave. And they was gone. (laughs) They threw him in to Elisha's grave. And when he touched the, not the body, the bones 
His flesh was already gone. The muscle was already gone. The skin had already been burnt up and it had already been consumed by the elements. When the man touched the bones of Elisha, there's no faith there. Elisha's not doing this miracle. Elisha's not speaking words of power that resound with religious accolades that stir the heavens. It is the bones of Elisha. Elisha has nothing to do with this, but God is fulfilling His promise to Elisha. And when this man touched his dead body, touched the bones of Elisha, (laughs) he got up. And thank God when he got up, he got out. And when he realized where he was, he got gone. And there is the 32nd miracle that God said he would give. (laughs) Elisha died thinking God said no. How about that? Elisha died thinking God had fallen short. But when Elisha was gone, I mean all the way gone, nothing but bones, God was still faithful to a frustrated, finished, faithless man. God was still faithful. And I'm telling you tonight, there are people in this auditorium that you have given up on what you once believed God for. And you're finished. And your faith has long run out. But I've come by to tell you this evening that God is faithful. And God's not finished. And God will do what He said He would do. I think, Brother Robbie, I think God said not now for two main reasons. I think God said not now so that God would get all the glory and not Elisha. You see, when Elisha was the one physically manifesting the miracles, it would have been easy to join the Elisha fan club and say, we're going to drive across the country and we're going to hear Elisha preach and we're going to see Elisha work a miracle. We're going to buy an Elisha t-shirt and we're going to join his uh, uh, tape of the month club and we are all about Elisha. And God said, I'll use Elisha and I'll bless Elisha and he is a good one to follow but I'm going to save one last miracle to show you the only good thing about Elisha was me. It was never him. It wasn't his power. It wasn't his preaching. It wasn't his words. It was God. I truly believe tonight that sometimes God has to tell us not now because if he did it when we snapped our fingers, we would take the credit. We would take the glory. We would take honor in our powerful prayer life. But God will do it when we think it's a no. He'll do it in his own time. Just so we don't get the glory. Now y'all can act spiritual tonight if you want to. But the truth of the matter is, we all battle an ego. And when God starts blessing us abundantly, there's something about this old wicked, depraved, 
flesh, carnal nature that likes to start thinking there's something we're doing that's making God work so mightily on our behalf. And I've just come to put it on the record tonight. We are worthless. We are useless. There's no good thing in us. We don't have any kind of power that is akin to just us. If anything comes about of eternal worth that gives God glory, it has nothing to do with us and it has everything to do with Him. And God said not now so He could get the glory. I think the second reason, listen to this. I think God said not now Because the man, listen carefully, listen carefully. Because the man who received the miracle didn't need the miracle until after Elisha was dead. This man did not need resurrecting when Elisha was alive. Elisha had to die, be buried, and decompose before this man ever had a need that God was going to answer. And God said, Elisha, this 30-second miracle, it's not about you. (laughs) I know that's a shocker to the church today. But everything God does is not about you. I know. I'm glad you're sitting down. That's heavy, ain't it? But he said, Elisha, this one's not for you. (laughs) This is for somebody who don't even need it yet. And I'm going to have to take you off the scene before their problem even arises. And and you know, I've thought about this so Woo, hallelujah. We know nothing about this man other than he was dead, he landed on Elisha's bones, and then he wasn't. Brother Robbie, we don't know if he lay in his home for months sick, slowly getting weaker, We don't know if he had a wife and children that prayed around his bed. Oh, God, heal him. God, raise him up. We can't make it without him, Lord. We don't know. We don't know if he was the prodigal son of a praying mother who wept at his grave at his funeral because she knew that he died away from God. We know nothing about this man. And I think God wanted it that way. He is a mystery to us. But here's what we do know. He wasn't a mystery to God. God wanted him alive for some reason. And let me say this. Listen carefully. If you agree with this, holler amen. We get mad at God for not doing something. And we don't even know what God needs to do. We get so frustrated at God. We get so aggravated at God. We get so mad at God because God's not doing something and God's saying that what you're asking for has nothing to do with my plan. Look at me right here. We are, we are not enlightened enough to even know to tell God what He needs to do. Elisha didn't know this man needed resurrecting, but God knew that he would. And in God's time, he fulfills this promise.
The church that I pastor, I've been there now 21 years. When we started, it was me and my wife and one other young man. There was just three of us. I tell people, you do not know about fear until you get up to preach and your wife makes up half the congregation. Because, I mean, you can preach on whatever you want to, but she may feel led to testify at the close of the service. That's how we started. I remember within that first year, we, we met in, a, in our living room. We was in a little hotel conference room. And where we were living, there was a church just about a half mile down the road. I remember driving by that church and it was always empty. Nothing was on the sign. The parking lot was empty. One day I saw a little car parked up by the front door and I, I pulled in and, and I, I walked into the front door and there was a well-dressed man there. <clears throat> looked like a preacher, just dressed up and sharp. And I began to tell him about what we were doing and I said, if you don't mind me asking, what, what's, what's this being used for? Is there a church here? He said, no. He said, I'm an evangelist. And he said, the church that was here closed down and they gave all of this to me. And he said, I've just been using it for one meeting a year and I have an office in the back. And I said, if you would be interested, uh, we'd like to purchase this. He called me in a few days and said, I want you to come back and talk to me. When I went back and talked to him, we laid out some things that we were wanting and what he was needing. And God began to seemingly open the door for us to acquire that property. And we was in a hotel conference room. We had nothing. Brother Robbie, I remember going down there early in the morning. I was feeling real spiritual. Then victory laps, I was taking seven around that building every morning. I mean, I Jericho, you know, which that's really not a good thing to do over a building you want. I don't know if you know how Jericho ended, but... But I, I mean, I was claiming it. I was believing it. I was trusting God. We worked out an arrangement. We set it up. We were going to own or finance it. We were so excited. Our church was excited. We was packing up. We was preparing for the move. And the week before we were supposed to close the deal, that man called me and said, Listen, I, 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 I've changed my mind. He said, I, I just, there's a couple of things that, I don't feel good about, and he said, we're not going to do it. I remember being so devastated. I remember being so crushed. All of that faith that I had just flattened like that. And now I had to go back to the church, that little handful of people that God had gathered in that year, and I had to tell them that I had led them down a path that God put a dead end at. I had to tell them that all we prayed for, God had said no. I had to tell them that all that we was trusting Him for, it was for naught. That was difficult. And they were discouraged. And then I was discouraged that they was discouraged. Then they was discouraged because their preacher was discouraged. It was a vicious cycle of discouragement. And to make it worse, that building was half mile from my house and had to drive by there every day. And every day I'd drive by there and look over there at how God had let me down. Look over there at how God had told me no. 
I'd look at a perfect opportunity that would have been absolutely ideal for us. But God didn't bring it to pass. When I get home tonight, tomorrow I'll get up and I'll drive to the place where we have church now. God has given us one of the prettiest little country churches you've ever seen. We bought that land. We built that building. We just built a new building next door. We just acquired a little farmhouse and some more property in front of us. We got 22 and a half acres. And one of the most, and I say glory to God, one of the most beautiful campuses you could ever imagine. I drive by that little building on Schaumburg Road and it's fallen in. And the neighborhood has gone to trash. I mean, it's just awful crime. Not even a safe place to have church, really. And I'm reminded that when I thought God was saying no, (laughs) God was saying, not now. Not here. Not this. I've got something better. I've got something that you can't imagine. I'm going to give you something that you couldn't even dream of. So go ahead and pout and fold your little arms, stomp your little feet and whine and cry. But when you get through pouting because we didn't go to Sonic today, I will take you there. And I won't get you a little one off the kids menu. I'm going to get you one of them big ones that comes with an insulin shot. I'm going to hook you up. And how many times Have we given up on God when He was only trying to be good to us? But in our selfish way of thinking, we just couldn't see it. I want to ask you a question. I'm done. Come on, whoever's doing the music. Let me ask you a question. We don't have to bow our heads and close our eyes. These people know worse things about you than what you're fixing to pray about. Say amen right there. (laughs) This may help your reputation actually. I wonder how many of you would lift up a hand and say, Preacher, there were things I was believing God for. But He didn't do it when I thought He would. And to be honest with you, I've kind of given up on it. It's been a long time since I've prayed for it. It's been a long time since I believed Him for it. It's been a long time since I pursued Him about it. There are things that God didn't do in my time. And I felt like he said no. But tonight, I realized that that no may have really just been a not now. How many of you could identify with that? Let me see your hand. You may be frustrated. (laughs) You may be finished. You may have lost your faith. But God is faithful. The truth of the matter is he'll do what he said he's going to do in his time and in his way. Some of you are praying for a spouse that's at home tonight. And you used to weep on these altars for them but you've gotten used to the drive alone now and you feel like it's always going to be that way. Well, I'm here to tell you, God can still save them. 
Some of you young men in here used to beg God for His power on your life. You used to beg God for opportunities. You used to beg God for great things. And God gave you a Sunday school class. And God gave you a small ministry. And God gave you responsibilities. And you didn't see all those big prayers come to pass. And you just quit believing Him for it. Well, I'm here to tell you, He's still the God of great things. Don't you give up because God said not now. You may be here tonight with a prodigal. You got a child that's so far from God. You don't feel like they'll ever come back to Him or to you. Let's just put a, let's just add a word to the end of that. They haven't yet. Yet. Will you stand with me all over this building? Will you bring unanswered prayers, unfulfilled promises, and hopes that seemingly died and have been placed in the grave? And will you come find a place and say, Lord, <laughs> I'm going to believe you fresh. Lord, I'm going to pray like I haven't in a long, long time. You may want to come call a name that you've not prayed for in years. You may want to come believe God for a miracle that you long gave up on. God's faithful even when we're faithless. Look at this. Many have come. Many more coming. Come on. Keep moving. Look at that. Ain't that wonderful? Keep moving. It's the last night of revival. Let's end it on the altar, believing God. Maybe somebody down here praying means a whole lot to you. Y'all come water their faith. Come fertilize their faith. Come believe with them. Some of you know the situations that are on this altar. You've given up on them too. (laughs) Well, tonight we're believing again. Tonight we're trusting again. We're praying again. What a blessing. Brother Robbie, you know the church. The altars are full tonight. But there's still a lot of folks in their seat. I want to ask you to do something. These prayers represented up here at the front, they mean something to these folks. This... This may be their night of breakthrough, and it may be not yet. I wonder how many of you, heads bowed with me around the auditorium, but how many of you keep on coming? Find you a place somewhere behind one of these folks that are on this altar. You may not even know what's going on in their life, but you remember being there. You remember a time in your life where you were praying and asking God to do something, And it seemed like the answer was no. But you found out later that God was faithful. And it was just a not now. Won't you come pray? Give God glory for what he's done in your life. Come find a place behind some of these folks and pray for them. You ain't got to know what's going on in their life. Just stand in the gap for them. Stand there and pray for them. Let them know that 
God is big enough. God is able. He's done it for you. He can do it for them. Lord, as we Lord, close out a service, as we close out a revival, God, I thank you, Lord, for this week. It's been so good. From start to finish, Lord, you have, Lord, really manifested yourself. God, you've shown us, Lord, how big you are. Prayers have been answered throughout the week. Now we come tonight to a time that's just intimate. So many that are on the altar, Lord, are praying for things that, God, they need you to show up in. But God, over time, they've allowed the devil, they've allowed circumstances to convince them that you don't care, that you won't answer it. Lord, tonight as we renew, Lord, we renew, we recommit, Lord, those things to you, those things that we're dealing with, those things that we're going through, those prayers that seemingly have been unanswered. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we're not going to ask outside of your will. I want to stop short of doing that, but God... I pray, if it be thy will. God, I pray you answer some prayers tonight on this altar. Lord, I pray some prayers that are are, are prayed here on this altar tonight will be answered this week, this month, God, this year. Lord, I pray, God, that every person, Lord, that's in this building, Lord, their faith has been strengthen tonight, encourage tonight. God, I pray that, Lord, each of us have been drawn closer to you tonight. Lord, we'll be sure to thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, trust you with the outcome. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.